This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Hello, everyone. My name is Erin Trelore, and I am the host of Raw Beauty Talks. We're taking you behind the highlight reel of the world's biggest influencers and wellness gurus to get a raw glimpse of what beauty, health, and wellness look like in today's world so that you can feel your absolute best in your body and in your life. I am so excited for today's episode. We have Ashley Ray, who is the founder and CEO of the wildly successful Mala Collective, joining us. And we're going to be peeling back the curtains on what it takes to grow a business in the health and wellness realm. And she's going to get real with us about what her own health and wellness routine looks like while she's building a massive international business. Ashley runs Mala Collective. She designs their beautiful collection of mala beads, crystal kits, and meditation cushions. You've probably seen some of the meditation cushions in my home if you follow us on Instagram. The company works with artisans in Asia, from Bali to India to Nepal, to create products supporting a mindfulness and meditation practice. Their stuff is gorgeous. The cushions and crystals are meant to inspire you to take a moment to breathe, which we all need, right? And the mala beads are tools that you can use in your practice, but they're also beautiful beads you can just wear throughout your day to remind you of an intention that you set. So every mala necklace or bracelet is named with an intention for you. They're really beautiful. Since starting Mala Collective in 2011, Ashley has taught meditation across North America, taken meditation trainings from LA to New York to India and Bali, and has worked to make meditation and mindfulness more accessible and fun. I am so excited to chat with you today, Ashley. Thank you so much for being here with me. Thank you so much. And can I just say, I am blushing and in awe of everything you just said. That made everything sound so incredible. And I would never have described myself with 10 of those words. Oh, well, it's all true. It is all true. And I literally just um, walked into the recording booth from yoga. I usually do yoga. Why yoga? And of course, they have all of your beautiful stuff right there at the counter. So I was like, this is fitting. Her beautiful, beautiful products are all here. And I get to go talk to this woman about the journey that she has been on to take her products, to take the message that comes along with them, which I think is really what's so important about your work, to so many women. And I'm also just like so curious to know about your own wellness routine, because I feel like that's so important when you're growing a business. And it's often the last thing on so many women's list. Tell us, I want to kind of dive into, first of all, the inspiration behind Mala Collective and where the journey for you began in this process of building the business. Yeah, of course. So it's, it is a very beautiful story and it, it's been, gosh, I would th- say like nine years ago, which is wild to even think. But at that time I was a journalist and my partner was a carpenter and we quit our jobs. We kind of reached that quarter life crisis and reached our goals and went traveling and ended up in Bali and fell in love with these beautiful beads. We had never seen them before. And we kept going back and buying them. And we fell in love with the different intentions of different gemstones and how you could use them in a practice. And at that time, I was into yoga, but not really into meditation. Always loved, you know, the hippie mindset, Buddhism and Hinduism, just these beautiful 
traits from the East and these beautiful mindsets that I was just so curious about, but not practicing. And so we were traveling from Bali to Thailand and a woman came up to us on our plane ride and said, your aura is so beautiful. Can I sit and talk to you? And long story short, she ended up being the woman that made the beads that we had bought. So it was absolute serendipity and synchronicity that this came into our life. And that is so crazy. Hold on. Just press pause for a second. You randomly had a quarter life crisis, which let's just talk about that for a second. Anyone who's listening right now who feels like they're in a quarter life crisis where they're like, I've finished school or maybe I haven't gone to school. I don't know what the F I'm doing. So you and your boyfriend at the time, right? Or were you married? No, we weren't married. No, no, not yet. You're like, F this shit. We're out of here. And you go to Bali, you buy some beads. I mean, there must have also been like 500 vendors selling beads. And yeah, and <laughs> like, this is so crazy. And then I love how casually you talk about it. And then you get on a plane and a woman comes up to you and starts talking about your aura and asks to sit next to you. And she's the one who made the beads. It's not lost on me how <laughs> wild it is. I have to share like when we quit our jobs, because I was a journalist at the time and I, I had won a national award and that was kind of my life goal. And after achieving that, I was like, well, what else is there to do here? And we, we fell back into our old careers. And when we decide to quit to pursue this full time, you, the looks on people's faces of you're quitting your career because you met a, met a hippie on a plane. I was like, well, yeah, of course. <laughs> I, I'm so aware of how crazy it sounds. But at the same time, I thought, you know, like, I'm smart enough to figure it out if it doesn't work and you know, where we can figure it out. We'll land on our feet if this is just a two month project or if it's just for fun, but it was exciting. And it was, I, I really trust in the serendipity and the synchronicity of it. And I, I have gotten a lot of feedback from people and I don't think that they mean it in a negative way, but I've definitely received the comment of, I wish something would fall into my lap the way it fell into your lap. And I think I understand what that means. And I understand you know, this beautiful situation we are presented with, but the amount of trust and sacrifice that followed that one interaction, it is a beautiful, magical story. But then that's followed by eight years of extreme hustle and sacrifice uh, that just yes. telling that story, oh my goodness, it's a fairy tale, it's magical. And and then reality sank in and we had to learn how to build and run a business. So it is magic and I don't disregard that. I do challenge people or hope people feel inspired to really reflect on how many people we meet each day that could change our lives because it could have been really easy for us to say, okay, cool. It was so great meeting you. Good luck on your journey and just never changed anything. Absolutely. Absolutely. I feel like when people are open to it and open to different possibilities, even the fact that you quit your jobs for a little bit to go traveling was a big risk and step that some people are afraid to take. But when you open yourself up to opportunity, that's when you start to see all the things that are out there, right? And this was an amazing opportunity that presented itself, but you're right, like you had to jump on it and then grind to make it all come into fruition. Absolutely. So tell me a little bit about that process. I'm curious to know, I mean, obviously, this is a podcast on self-love and health and wellness, but I really feel like one of the biggest sectors in regards to our wellness is our career path, because we spend so much time in our day-to-day 
working and investing time and energy into our jobs. We get our financial security primarily from that. And so I think it plays a huge role in our wellness. And I know that there's a lot of people who feel quite stuck in their job or they dream about being an entrepreneur like you and they're not sure if they could get started. So I'd love to know a little bit about that process for you of deciding, you know what, we're going to we're going to do this and what that looked like when when you got started. Did you keep working as a journalist to kind of pay the bills or did you leap all in? Yeah, so I continued to work as a journalist and it's it is quite laughable now the juxtaposition of my life. I was covering murder trials and then coming home and writing about meditation and there mm. couldn't have been two more opposing experiences in life. And so I, I continued my job and then I went into a different role that paid a bit more so we could help float the business. And I, the day I quit, because I think it's a really common question of when do you know to go all in? Well, you just wake up and you know that day is what people have always told me. And I can't emphasize how true that is. There was a day I woke up and realized I'm promoting love and kindness and compassion and I am none of those things because I'm so stressed out. So I was working nine to five. Mm going home, working six till two. I was like, I am not living what I'm promoting. And so when we took that leap, when I quit, I can't even say it was planned. It just kind of happened. And there was an organic flow to just continuing. We always knew this was bigger than us. So it was never, Hey, you know what, how can we make this bigger? It was, whoa, this is so cool that we're curious about meditation and other people are also curious. And mind you, this was nine years ago. Meditation is not, it is a very different world now than it was nine years ago. It wasn't trendy or cool like it is now. It's Most people meditate and talk about it openly. I would say nine years ago, it was not so. Even entrepreneurship, it was not as cool as it is now. And I say that because my identity was as a journalist and I still identified as a journalist. I would never have called myself an entrepreneur in those first few years because I didn't really know any entrepreneurs. I didn't know that was a title, something that you could be. It just became our lives. And each day was, I wonder what we can do today. And we didn't have a network. We didn't have a community. We did it ourselves and Google things and use the internet. <laughs> we didn't have a network of people <laughs> to help us. I'm curious to know if you had any sort of like limiting beliefs as you started working on this or not even as you started working on it, but in the day-to-day -day hustle of it, did you ever have moments where you're like, we don't know what we're doing right now, or are we going to be able to pay these bills or do these things actually work? Like, do they make sense? Are you somebody who has those thoughts ever? Because I know so many women and myself included, that's like a day-to-day -day struggle is kind of battling that internal dialogue to continue to sort of fight for your dream. Um, every single day, I would say that that was the biggest limiting factor in the business was my self-doubt and my fear of who am I to be doing this? Who am I to be some 20-something-year-old living, you know, just outside of Vancouver, teaching people about mindfulness when I'm just as curious as they are about it. And every day I thought, I don't know what I'm doing. We can't do this every day. It was 
also a comparison factor of me comparing myself to other people and thinking, I'm not good enough. I'm not this enough. I'm not that enough. I have to be honest, that persisted probably for like a good four or five years, which is even more embarrassing for me to admit because here I am promoting and telling people that they are enough. And of course you can find that within yourself because you have the strength and the power to, but I didn't fully believe that about myself. And that it plagued me every day, just the embarrassment and fear. And it was just this cyclical process of a downward spiral. So how did you continue to move forward? And how did you start to align yourself with that person that you clearly wanted to be, that person that you were promoting, that lifestyle that you were promoting? How did you start to merge the two together? Yeah, that's that's such a good question because I still am so curious <laughs> about that answer that it's, you know, I, I had my meditation practice and that's that's great. And I was so proud of that. But there's something that happened. One day I woke up and I, I remember thinking, hey, Ashley, you indulging in your fear, it's actually robbing a lot of people of a really positive experience. So you should get over yourself. And it was this really intense moment of you're playing small and and you need to get out of your own way. We were receiving emails from people who were sharing these life-changing experiences saying, thank you for, for starting this business. It's gotten me through an abusive relationship. It's helped me as an empty nester. My kids have left for college. I've gone through a sex change and this mala has helped me to feel strong. And these emails that we would get, I would say that is what kept me going to realize, actually, it's not about us starting a business. It's not about cash flow. It's not about you know marketing and branding. It is about sharing this experience of mindfulness and meditation with other people in a way that's accessible, that helps them change their life. And the more I saw those beautiful stories, the more I started to realize me being afraid was just robbing more and more people. And not, not saying... I am the only way they would have gotten there. Absolutely, they would have found a different path. If it wasn't through Mala, they would have found it somewhere else because they were curious and seeking it. But what a beautiful gift that we could be that for somebody. So that was a big shift a few years ago. And I would say in the past few years, really sticking to my practice of meditating and journaling and crying. I love a good cry to work through emotions. It's Oh, me too. Me too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, love it. So love cathartic. It. So, you know, just working through it and understanding, it just took time for me to feel confident. I think in the beginning, being young and, you know, working 6 p.m. till 2 a.m., answering emails in my underwear after work, I was like, these people probably think I'm this shaman and this wise woman who traveled the world. And I was like, I'm like 25 and just finished a shift writing about a murder. And I, I blocked myself so deeply instead of just being led by curiosity. And I don't claim to know everything at all. I just am happy to reshare what I've learned. And I'm grateful that I was able to learn, you know, and be humbled as I have been humbled the past few years and not through all good experiences through like my biggest learnings have been through the toughest experiences. So I'm grateful for where I am now, but still not perfect. Still days where I'm like, I, God, am I, am I enough to be doing this? And the thoughts don't linger as long as they used to. I'm mm-hmm. a little bit quicker now. And even hearing how you introduced me is such a beautiful, humbling experience to have somebody else share, hey, here's what you've done. Because I don't think we celebrate as much as we should what we've accomplished. So I, I appreciate that. 
You know what? I think we are all so starved for acknowledgement. And I think that one of the greatest gifts that we can give one another as women is acknowledgement. And that's something that anybody listening right now can take from this episode is that if you have it in you to send a quick text, to make eye contact with the barista at your coffee shop, if you have a moment to go for a walk with a parent or somebody that you love and to just tell them how you see them and how you appreciate them, Mm -hmm. it is so fueling and fulfilling for yourself and obviously for the other person as well. But I think you nailed it on the head where we are starving for that true, honest, authentic connection with one another and acknowledgement. I mean, you've said just so many things in the last two minutes that are so important because I think so many people are struggling with imposter syndrome, feeling like, I'm not good enough to do this. Somebody else is going to be better, blah, 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 blah. And as a result, a lot of women don't even try, right? They don't even put in the application for the job. They don't even try to date. They are just, there's just too much fear holding them back so that they don't even get started. And when we're in that space, obviously it's not comfortable either, or maybe a little bit safer in the moment, but long-term, the pain that we feel will be much greater. So I love that you talk about using the feedback and something greater than yourself to pull you through those moments when you were doubting yourself, right? Mm -hmm. I think it's so important to have people who believe in you that will remind you of how incredible you are in those moments that you forget. So it's so important to surround yourself with people, whether it's your clients or your partner or your friends or your family or a Facebook group, whatever it is, with people who will remind you just how incredible you are because we all forget in moments. So thank you for being honest and sharing that. Fast forward to the end of 2024. Think of your goals for a second. What can you do right now to give yourself the best chance of succeeding? If you want to learn a new language, you absolutely should get Babbel. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that really don't help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversation, and Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teachings so you're ready to practice what you learned in the real world. If you're heading to another country, anytime soon, start using Babbel a few weeks before you go to learn basics like how to order food, ask for directions, speak to merchants without having to consult language apps while you're away. So fun. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash raw beauty talks. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash raw beauty talks. That's spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash talks. Rules and restrictions may apply. This episode is brought to you by Lola V, an award-winning hair care line founded by the fabulous Jennifer Aniston. Jen got tired of the same old struggle we all face, choosing between hair products that work and ones that are actually good for us. With Lola V, that dilemma is history. We all put our hair through the ringer. That's why it's crucial to have products that not only repair the look of the damage, but also shield your locks from future harm. Enter Lola V's bestsellers, the Glossing Detangler and the Perfecting Leave-In Conditioner. They're your hair's new best friend. 
friends. For a limited time, you get 15% off your entire order at lolavie.com. Just use the code RAWBEAUTYTALKS at checkout. Lolavie is all about naturally derived plant-based goodness, no silicone, sulfates, parabens, or gluten, and of course, cruelty-free and vegan. That's 15% off your order at L-O-L-A-V-I-E.com with promo code RAWBEAUTYTALKS. You can only use one promo code per order and discounts can't be combined. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Tell them I sent you over. Hey girl, are you feeling stuck in life? Like what? How did I end up here? Are you unhealthy, feeling uncomfortable in your body, overcome with limiting beliefs? Maybe you have glimpses of the woman that you want to be, but you can't quite seem to show up as her day to day. Are you feeling frustrated and starting to lose hope that you're ever going to get there? Don't worry, I have got you. As a health and life coach, my job is to help you get from where you are right now to where you want to be by getting crystal clear on your vision for your best self, then diving into the things that are holding you back from getting there and by helping you create strong habits that support you in feeling your absolute best. I've opened up my schedule to accept a few new special coaching clients in 2020. These are for women who are driven to create lasting change in their life starting now. If you want to feel healthier, more energized, calm, and confident in who you are and how you show up in the world, I want to hear from you. Head to rawbeauty.co backslash get-started-here to apply now. All right, let's get back to the show. Now, you mentioned you learned often the most in times of difficulty. Can you talk about some of the roadblocks that you came up against over the last 11 years of building this business? Oh, of course. Yeah. So I would say the biggest one, again, being the the self-limiting beliefs that I'm not good enough to be doing it. I think also not turning to a community to normalize the human experience a lot of the experiences I went through, I thought I'm the first person to ever have screwed up this big. (laughs) I'm the first person (sighs) and only person to have ever done this. And I'm so ashamed that I don't want to talk about it. And I'm so grateful that now, you know, there's so many wonderful business groups around the world that I can share experiences with. And they burst out laughing going, oh my goodness, that happened to me five times in the past month. Right? (laughs) (laughs) I thought I was the first person to do it that way. So I would say, you know, a lot of the struggles for me were getting out of my own way and then leading people. I'm still humbled by it. And I, I can't tell you how incredibly powerful and strong my team is now. I'm so proud of them. And I'm so in awe of all of them. I never thought I could get to this point. I never thought I was a good leader. I never thought I'd be the person that could lead a team. I I think I feel very introverted. I like working on my own, especially having been a journalist for so long. It's really difficult leading a team. And there's so many emotions. There's so many dynamics. There's so many desires. And when I started leading, man, I screwed up a lot. And I'm mortified about how I led. And not that, you know, I'm probably being hard on myself. Nobody goes into running a business being taught how to lead. Uh, I just think that that was the most humbling experience of learning how to lead other humans and inspire other humans. And I'm constantly evolving in that process. And, you know, outside of the, the human experience of working with a team, just you know, cash flow. I find money conversations very triggering and I'm working through that. And 
We mm. right there with you, oh right there with you. <laughs> Such a block. And my word this year is abundance. So I'm really working on that. And, and I'm aware, I'm aware of that. So I've worked with coaches on how can I be more comfortable just talking about money? And I remember there was a really big phase I went through of how dare I make money on a product that's spiritual? Why can't I just give it away? And that was a pretty big, right. that was a huge roadblock for me. There was so much guilt. People would email and say, how dare you charge this much? And I was like, you're right. How dare I? And then I would spend <laughs> and I would just send them something. No. <laughs> and, oh my and gosh. I, yeah. I, I realize how silly it sounds now, but it took a long time for me to realize, hey, if, if I can't pay my bills, I can't run this company. If I can't run this company, I can't inspire more people and we can't employ more artisans. And it's a chain that... You know, it's not, it's not like every dollar Mala makes goes into my pocket and I'm laughing. Like it's, that is not the motivation for this company. Money is not my motivator. Um, And I, I think looking from the outside, I understand that perception, but it took me a lot of time to reconcile, Hey, I'm okay with how we run the business because that means we get to employ more amazing human beings in North America to share this wonderful journey. We get to employ more amazing artisans overseas. We get to create more beautiful product and inspire. Like it's a full cycle that what everything goes back into the business. So it's the guilt has been removed there, but my God, that was a really big block. So yeah, just cash flow, money, all of the things around money. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. Raise your hand right now if you're listening and you feel like you are craving more abundance in your life. I know that there's some of you out there. I didn't think it was silly when you said that you were sending people free malas because they felt they were too expensive. I catch myself doing that all the time when people are like, I can't afford your coaching. And I'm like, I'll just jump on a call with you. So I'm in a really similar stage right now of sort of knowing my worth, still being available and having the capacity for as many people because I want to help everyone who reaches out to me in some capacity, but also recognizing that when we put boundaries around our time and our space, it will allow us to reach more people and to impact more people. So, you know, it is a journey. This money conversation, I feel like we're going to need to have a whole series of on this podcast around money and boundaries and abundance. So thank you for bringing that up and sharing that with us. Or- I would love to sort of peel back the layers and hear about your own wellness routine as somebody who is now a practitioner of meditation, who obviously is very involved in the world of yoga. What does your daily or weekly wellness routine look like? So thank you for asking. I would like to (laughs) shatter the illusion that it is perfect because it is not. I'm often traveling so For example, I just got back from Japan a couple of days ago. And when I was in Japan, I would say my wellness routine fell off because it's really hard to keep a routine. Actually, that's probably an excuse. For me, it's hard to keep a routine when I'm always on the road. And I would say the one thing that I have stuck to quite well is my morning routine. And I do start the day almost every morning with five to 10 minutes of gratitude journaling. That is something in the past eight months or so that I've done that I've noticed has completely shifted my mindset and how I talk to friends, to people that I work with, to family, that my language has shifted into a place of gratitude and appreciation for just, I verbalize it far more often. In terms of meditation, yeah, I would say my meditation comes in different forms. 
I definitely sit and practice meditation, I would say like four or five days a week. And a third of my apartment in Vancouver is a meditation space. So that's a beautiful reminder. But I also meditate when I'm on planes. A big form of meditation for me is walking and hiking. So every year I take a really long hike overseas, which is what I was doing in Japan. And usually I go to the Himalayas or I'll go and spend two weeks alone in the forest. And that's a really deep dive reflection for me. But maintaining the day-to-day, it's just different. It just depends where I am. It can be a meditation. It can be a bubble bath. It can be me ordering Thai food and sitting in my underwear and watching Netflix. One of my favorite things to do to mm. <laughs> recover from a day. So it's I, I really feel energetically sensitive to a lot of movement and commotion and travel. So my come down from travel is usually just me hold up in my apartment, lighting candles. Maybe, you know, last night I did a candle at meditation and yoga practice in my apartment, but that's, you know, that's not every night. That's once in a while. It just depends what I feel like. Uh, so there's a perfect way for me in my experience of what my wellness looks like. I just listen to what my body needs that day. And that's also very much in line with how I teach. I think a lot of people are nervous about meditation because they think there's a right way and a wrong way to do it. And they immediately think they're doing it wrong. So nobody wants to continue doing something they think they're doing wrong. So they'll just stop. And when I'm introducing people to this practice, I often say, hey, if you're not comfortable sitting cross-legged, then lay down. If you don't want to lay down, then sit in a chair. However you're most comfortable, start there and just build the habit. And then when you start build the habit, then you can maybe look at, you know, the technicalities behind it, but just start slowly and be kind to yourself and be gentle and know you can't screw it up. It's just breathing. And one of my teachers said, practicing meditation every morning in bed, he calls it meditation. He's like, the worst thing is you fall asleep. And how great is that? (laughs) So there's not a wrong way. Yes. Oh my gosh, there's such a beautiful message in everything that you just said there, because often I think when we consider health and wellness, and especially that it's early in the year, so many people have set resolutions for themselves and goals and intentions, and we feel like we have to do it all perfectly. And if we miss a day or we don't hit our workouts for the week, that you know we just get into that cycle of negative self-talk and getting down on ourselves. And all of a sudden, it's been three weeks since we've done anything. Rather than having some self-compassion and and some grace for ourselves and getting back on track as soon as we start to notice that we're slipping, but without all of that negativity around it. So Ashley is somebody who's built a business in the world of health and wellness, who teaches meditation, who teaches yoga. And she's saying to you right now, her practice, her routine doesn't look perfect. We have to stop striving for perfection in our wellness routine and just show up and do your best. Just figure out what feels right in the moment. Now, Ashley, I want to take you back for a second to this thing that you glossed over where you said you go into the woods alone for two weeks and just sit in nature. (laughs) Can you clarify? I will typically fly out. I've done this in Bhutan and I've done it a few times in Nepal where I'll just fly out and I'll meet a group of people there and that I don't know yet. And I will struggle through a difficult hike, you know, 10 days, 11 days. And it really becomes, it's actually a gift I committed to myself. Uh, I was married and my partner and I split up about four years ago. And ever since then, I said, every year, I will commit to taking myself out on a really difficult trip 
physically because I don't, I don't love sitting on the beach. I want to be moving and in my body. And this gift is you get 10 days to be in your body, listen to your thoughts in nature. And let me tell you, it's not fun. Like by day two, I'm often wondering, what am I doing here? Why do I do this to myself? This is the worst experience ever. You know, doing Nepal last January, I sprained my knee halfway through the hike. It was minus 30. It wasn't what I would call enjoyable, but it was a very beautiful experience of, I get to work through and reflect on the year. I get to work through some deep shit that maybe I've avoided because I can be busy at home. There's no Wi-Fi. I specifically mm-hmm. go to places where there's no Wi-Fi. And I think it's, for me, it's my it's my all-inclusive holiday is going on a hike. And you know, we'll see how much longer that lasts. It's worked for a few years. This year I did it in Japan. And let me tell you, going from minus 30 in Nepal to heated toilet seats in Japan, this was luxury. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds good. That sounds like my kind of uh, hiking holiday. The minus 30, I would be like, no, I'm going to just jump right off this cliff over here. Thank you very much. But I'm so inspired by you. I think that takes so much courage and bravery to go out with a group that you don't know and to put yourself in an uncomfortable environment. And I can only imagine how much inner strength that must build in a very condensed period of time. I think it is, well, as I mentioned, I love crying. So crying in the forest is great. Crying around strangers is even better. I I understand that it takes a lot of bravery to jump on a plane and, and go overseas but there is something about, okay, I'm going to surrender to this. And every place I go, there is a Buddhist or, or Hindu influence. So I'm also very drawn to those parts of the world where I can go and be in nature. And I think what draws me back every year, for example, I was hiking Everest Base Camp a couple of years ago and just seeing the mountains and realizing these are so much bigger than me. My problems don't matter. These mountains were here before me mm. and they'll be here after me. My problems are so small. So when I go, it really is for a dose of perspective that I'm sure I could get by meditating in my apartment. And I'm sure that I could get by, you know, whatever, doing something that's way less um, extreme than flying to the Himalayas. But there's something for me that's so incredibly humbling about that perspective of how small I am and how small my problems are. And I find that right now through hiking. And maybe in five years, it won't be through through that. Maybe it'll be through other experiences I'm trying to live that more in a daily life instead of needing that big reminder once a year. But right now I'm, I'm enjoying that journey. It's so beautiful. I love that reminder. I feel like I get it whenever I'm in nature in small pieces. So I can only imagine standing at the base of such a huge respected mountain that you would only get that reminder tenfold. And it's important. It's important for us to step out of our own little bubble of problems for a moment to get that perspective. So I love that. You are inspiring me big time. I'm curious to know for you, what does the term self-love mean? Well, I think that that is ever-changing for me. You know, that the hike, for example, is self-love. That's such a gift that I give myself even in the moments that I don't want it. I would say a big part of it for a big chunk of being entrepreneurs, self-love means not comparing myself to other people and not comparing where I'm at right now to someone who's been doing it for 20 years, 
not comparing, oh, I should look like that, or I should be here in business, or I should have a family by now. And removing that judgment has been a lot of work. And I would say honoring every version of myself. So I'm really curious about past, present versions of ourselves. And I did a meditation, like a visual meditation with a shaman once in Singapore. And I saw a younger version of myself. And I said to her, I love you so much. You're so beautiful. You're doing so great. And this voice said, why don't you talk to yourself like that now? And I just started weeping. It was such an incredibly humbling reminder of why, why, are, why is our self-talk so negative and judgmental? And for me, like, why am I so kind to other people when I could be this kind to myself? Why don't I express that love and gratitude and compassion to my present day self? And so that has been a lot of reflection for me of, um, hey, you're doing great. You did great today. And that gratitude journaling that I do every morning is also me acknowledging, hey, you did a great job yesterday. Hey, I'm really proud of you for this. And I'm so grateful for, and just listing everything I'm grateful for in life allows me to reflect a bit more compassion and self-love back to myself, but really treating myself like everybody else uh, in my life that I love has been a really big practice for me. So I'd say that one meditation was a really big wake-up call uh, around self-love. Such a powerful, powerful tool for everybody who's listening to take away that self-compassionate talk and to speak to yourself as you would to others in your life or to that younger version of yourself. You mentioned a gratitude, your gratitude journal a couple of times right now, just so that people are really clear on how to gratitude journal. Can you give us a breakdown of what you're writing when you write that? Is it in bullet form? Are you free writing? Are you just writing about like all the things in the room? Is it about people? What does that look like for anybody who's interested in creating a gratitude practice? Yeah, well, I think there's no wrong way to do it to, to start off. I would say it's different for me each day. The days where I don't feel grateful at all, I am listing everything physically around me. <laughs> so I am grateful for yes. this cup and this tape. And that's when I can tell... I'm not there. Like I, I'm just grumpy and I will write sometimes passive aggressive. And this is just for me. So it's completely unnecessary for me to be passive aggressive in my gratitude journal, but it'll happen. And that's when I know I'm having a bad day. So I'm not saying I want to do it every morning. Mornings where it's point form. There's mornings where I'm just grateful for every single person. And I'll often, I told my team this, I'll often just write about my team for an entire day. I'll write about my family. I'll write about my friends. I'll write about, hey, I'm grateful for this breakthrough I had in this meditation. I'm grateful that I got my ass handed to me last week because I learned this. Or I'm actually grateful because now I realize why I went through that thing six years ago. It just makes sense now today. So I, I think that each morning it's completely different. There's no rhyme or reason, but it's more of that I do it no matter how I'm feeling because then it flows a bit better. I don't think about it as much and the gratitude flows a little bit easier, but I, I would say it flows between people, places, things, experiences, memories, every everything that makes up my day-to-day. -day. Beautiful. Now, you mentioned that you had set an intention for abundance in 2020. Do you have any other goals or resolutions that you're working towards this year? Yes. Yeah, so, so the abundance one is a big one. And I would say abundance for me really 
falls over a lot of categories, but I would say specifically monetarily, I think a lot of people think of money when they think of abundance, but I'm thinking of abundance of, you know, all of the positive experiences this year, but really my relationship and connection to money. Uh, Next, I would say is love. I think I'm ready to find some true love. So Erin, if you know anybody, please let me know. Oh my gosh. Listeners, she just gave us the green light. The door is open. Who knows somebody? Send us a message. Slide into her DMs. Ashley Ray is ready for love. It's been four years since you were since you and your husband separated. Is that correct? That's right. That's right. And he's, hey, we're still great friends. We talk you know, almost every day and are so grateful for this beautiful business that we created and both so supportive of each other's lives. So it, it just feels like, like a great place right now. I feel like I did a lot of work on self-love for the past few years and I really deeply love who I am right now. I don't think I could have been ready until I did that work. So this is the year that I'm ready for for some love. I'm excited about it and nervous and I'm terrified and embarrassed. I even just shared that. (laughs) No, don't be embarrassed. Are you kidding me? This is how we put it out into the universe and we speak it. But I think it's also normal. It's totally normal that you like have the vulnerability shame over after saying it because it's like, it is vulnerable. It's vulnerable to put your heart and, and your desires out there, right? It is vulnerable for anybody, but it's so amazing that you just said it. And I feel like 2020 is going to have some amazing things in store for you on all fronts of abundance, whether it's business or relationships or the incredible people that you're working with and your physical health. I am so excited to watch everything unfold for you. And I can't thank you enough for really opening your heart and showing up here authentically. And I feel like you did not hold back and you really let people in. So thank you. I know I know that is not easy to do. Thank you. Well, I appreciate that. And I think that that is like the, my, my last intention for the, the year really reflects what you just shared. And it is being more open and speaking and sharing the story of Mala and sharing my journey. And it is not something I've done since starting the business. And it, it really does scare me a lot. It scares me a lot of the the ego game of why am I doing this? Am I doing this for just really questioning the intentions? And I've been so scared to be the face of the company and to step out. And I think that that whole share earlier of get out of your own way, you're robbing people of experiences is really rekindling in me right now. So I so appreciate this call and this opportunity to share because it's pushing me outside of my comfort zone and helping me step up into a version of myself that I want to be. And I've been way too scared to step into. So this is also the year of me pushing some boundaries in in that sense and hopefully inspiring some people. And if not, then helping people understand, you know, the, the, the realities of business and just by being open and sharing. So And if anybody right now who has been listening found that there was something in this conversation that struck home with them or a takeaway or a tool that they're going to practice, or if you related to Ashley in some way, head on over to the at Mala Collective Instagram page, slide into her DMs and send this girl a little bit of encouragement because I know it is impossible to have listened to your story, to have listened to the struggle and the strength that it has taken to get you to where you are without feeling inspired. Ashley, my final question for you today, 
it's never an easy one. What is your message to women of the world? Oh, that is such a good one. Uh, I would say you are enough and then you have enough. I think that that is for me, the resounding mantra. I am enough has been the one mantra that has gotten me through running this business. It's gotten me through this personal development work. Every fear and roadblock and insecurity that I have had. And when I speak to other women, I can see their light and their brightness and their capability and their possibility and their potential so much easier than they can see it. And I find it so curious how we can love on other people and lift them up but we don't use that voice for ourselves. So just loving ourselves the way we love other people to really truly know that we are enough and that we have enough and everything that we need and we're seeking is in us already. Mm. You are absolutely enough, so much more than enough. Where can people connect with you if they want to learn more, if they're interested in Mala and your meditation cushions and the, the beads and the crystals? Tell us, where can they get more Ashley? Of course. Well, Mala Collective, uh, our Instagram is our handle at Mala Collective and Facebook. Uh, and just, you know, if they want to email questions at Mala Collective, I'll be in there as well. So we are here and we're a small team. So we all see all of your loving, beautiful stories. And we're always in awe and gratitude when we receive them. So please share. It really warms our hearts and lights us up. Ashley has generously gifted each and every one of you who are listening right now the Mala Collective I Am Enough Meditation Series. So head on over to the show notes to get your gift. That's the I Am Enough Meditation Series from Mala Collective. You can click the link in the show notes to get your free meditation series. Thank you so much, Ashley. That is so generous of you. If you're listening right now and you enjoyed this episode, if you feel like there were some takeaways or some shiny moments that you want to remember, please share the episode with those that you love to help us spread these messages of encouragement and growth and inspiration. Now, as you listen, also remember that your body and your life is different than anyone else's out there. So take what you need from these episodes and leave the rest behind. I can't wait to see you next week. Do you ever feel like you're struggling through motherhood? You're not alone. I'm Erica Jossa, host of the MomWell podcast, therapist and mom of three. Join me each Wednesday as I sit down with guests, including psychologists, pediatricians, psychiatrists, fertility specialists, lactation consultants, and more to unravel the myths of motherhood. With expert advice, practical tips, self-love, and some coping skills to help you along the way, you can become the mother you want to be. Listen to the MomWell podcast at momwell.com listen or on your favorite podcast platform.